Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Amen. I'm so happy to be in church. Are you? Grab your Bibles. We're going to talk about being a triple threat to the devil. We're going to talk about being a triple threat to to anything that stands in your way. Winning with money, it's our last last sermon of this series. Uh, We're teaching about giving. And it's a good season to talk about giving when when things in your life seem to be fresh, when there seems to be a, a, a season of blessings, or even when you're not in the season when you feel like you're not prospering or whatever it may be. Uh, giving is the secret to breaking every stronghold and to breaking everything when it comes to poverty in your life. Whatever you give is what you get back in return. So if you turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, what a triple threat is, and I'm going to repeat this again, is when a player in the in basketball has one of three options. Not every time does a player have three options in, the, in their game. When they get the ball and they have the ability to do one of three things, they have the ability to pass the ball to someone to advance the play and to make the shot. Or they take the ball and they decide that they're going to drive it through. And remember we talked about that? going the opposite direction of what your opponent is stepping towards you, putting your faith on the other side and driving it forward. Or the last part of this series, which is today, we're going to be talking about the other choice, which is from that moment, they have an opportunity to take the shot. And that person becomes a triple threat when they have one of three choices they can make. We're going to be talking about faith today taking risk, taking the shot, and how we get into that blessing and that favor with God. How many of you want the favor of God in your finances? Raise your hand. If you want, I'm talking, I'm talking about, people get uncomfortable talking about money. We don't. We don't at all because it's part of, you know, of, of our lifestyle. Jesus said when you pray, when you fast, and when you give. Uh, giving is just another part of worship for us. It's just another part of worship. But I want to know everything the Bible has to say about this because giving is connected to your heart and it has a lot to do with the condition of your heart and the prosperity in your life. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Here it goes. Here we go. 2 Corinthians, having your Bibles, follow us there. If not, follow us up here. And the writer says, Paul says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. That means that when you give, you give with a purpose. Whatever you give in, whatever you're doing, you do it with purpose and intent. You know what you're doing. You're not doing it because everybody else did it. You're not feeling pressure to do it. That's why during this uh, sermon series, we put the offering buckets up here to let everybody do it with purpose and not feel pressured. 
want everybody to find it as a form of worship. And so when Paul writes them and tells them that when you do whatever it is sparingly or bountifully, you're going to get exactly what you get back according to the condition of your heart, with the purpose in your heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver. And, and that word cheerful comes from the Greek word that literally means hilarious. That doesn't mean you, you tell jokes when you give. That doesn't mean you dance up here like Brother Frank. How many of you remember Brother Frank? You remember Brother Frank? Do we have that video of Brother Frank? Media, media team, do we have that? Give me a thumbs up if we do. If not, I'm not going to ask for it. Do you have the video? Give it, play it up here. This is Brother Frank when he gives. This is what he does. Come on, play Brother Frank. We did this about two weeks ago. If you're not able to, that's okay. Brother Frank was a cheerful giver because God forgave him of a lot. This man was saved and God touched his heart. Here he is in the grave. This is an offering time in this church. Here he goes. Here he goes. I'll give somebody 20, a $20 offering if they'll come up here and put money in the bucket just like that right there. I will buy your lunch today if you come and put money in this offering bucket like that. <laughs> Hold on, you ain't seen nothing yet. Here it goes. Here it goes. Oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> the funny part that's good thank you gentlemen the funny part is that's our brother Frank his name is Frank okay baby write the check <laughs> gotta be a man in my word now, here's the, deal, here's the story behind Brother Frank. I saw the interview with this man, and he said he wasn't raised in church. He wasn't raised in church, but, but he was on his deathbed and about to lose his life. And one day, God touched him and healed him. And he came to church. When he came to church, it was his time to give, first time he had ever given. And when he felt the Spirit of God come upon him, he felt like dancing. He remembered the scripture where David danced before the Lord. In his, pr in his prior life, he was a professional dancer. He didn't know how to praise God. See, some of you would have kind of went like, you know, you have your, your thing, you know. You've got your old Pentecostal gig or jig, whatever it is, your, your Baptist. I don't care. Catholic. I don't know what your dance is. This guy didn't know any of that, so he started dancing like he would in the world when he felt it, and that's what he was really sincere about that. But when God hits you and you become a cheerful giver, it's a lot of because God has saved you and done something good in your life. 
and that's what we're talking about. Somebody, listen, that was a long scripture text reading. Are you ready? And the last part is, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. When you do it cheerfully. Someone say, God bless this service today. Come on, somebody say, God bless Pastor Bobby. Touch his, touch his mouth, touch his heart. Lord, touch my ears, touch my heart to receive. We want to hear from you today, God, in everything, in everything we do. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. High five your neighbor. Tell him you are a triple threat to the devil. You are a triple threat. And you can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Thank you so much for worshiping. Thank you, Brother Frank, for making my birthday. I love you, amigo. Love you so much, all of you. Now, there is only one way to truly win in life, and that is this. You have to learn how to start taking more shots. You have to learn how to start taking more shots. Now, let me clarify that because you're going to tell your wife, baby, I got to go. The pastor said, take more shots. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> I'll be back. I'm going to go to the Paga Lounge. I'll be right back. Is that even here anymore? I don't know. I grew up in Victoria, so what I mean by that, yeah, you better have a sense of humor when you come to this church. I'm being quite honest with you because, honestly, uh, God has been so good to us. He's delivered us from so much. I know all about that. You know, I was raised as a son of a nightclub owner. And I learned risk in business when I was young. But when it came to living for God, I didn't understand risk. The same type of risk we take in the world, it has to be above and beyond in your relationship with Christ. You have to be willing to take a risk. And if you're in the game and you're not taking any shots, and let's just say this, if you're, if you're in life, if you're in life, and you feel like you're losing, could it be because you're not taking any shots? You're not taking any risk? And you're afraid to do that? Maybe you're not afraid to drive it in and to be aggressive and pass every obstacle. Maybe that's a great attribute. Uh, you know, for you, maybe that's your strength. Maybe you're not afraid to pass the ball and trust somebody else with it. Trust God. From a close distance, but maybe you feel like in your life that you're, you have some flaws and insecurities in your faith when it comes to taking a big risk and a big shot. Now, we consider the outer perimeter of that goal line, of that, that line in basketball. You know what I'm talking about, the second line, you, and you've got that big perimeter. We consider that outside of, the, of that perimeter that when you shoot and make it there, it is three points. I found that the three points in Christianity is when you take faith and you let it hit your heart and you take a chance that there are three areas that are built up in your life and you gain three strengths. You gain faith, hope, and love. Your faith is built, especially when you see God come through. Your hope is reassured and your love is established. So we love God because we trust God. We we hope in God because he's never let us down. And we have faith in God because that we know that our God is a promise giver and a promise keeper. 
So one of the principles, and I have to show you, that they teach in basketball is this. Now, I go to the greats to learn something. I don't just try to wing it on my own. When it came to the passing, I went and looked up Michael Jordan. I wanted to hear what he had to say about it. But when it came to throwing the free throw shots, probably some of you don't even know this guy, but I went and checked out Larry Bird. You remember him? Larry Bird, what did he do? What advice did he have when it came to making three-point shots? Here's what I found. He said, one of the things you have to do is you have to let your opponent know that you have other intentions. You, you can fake him out by looking someplace else, but your true intention always has to be focused on the goal, on the basket. And in your heart, you have to be there before you're there. But when you choose to do that shot, you can't be low here. You have to be up here. Because you don't want between here and here, your opponent will get a chance to knock the ball out and guard you. And if you're looking up at the goal before he, you make the shot, he sees and he looks at your eyes. That's why some of the greats in basketball, when you watch them, when they pass the ball sometimes, they look someplace else. Before they shoot the shot, they'll go like this, look over there, then they'll shoot the shot. But in your heart, you have to be determined, and you have to have it together up here before you can actually release it and make it up there. I need an illustration. Come on up here, dancing queen. Come here, baby. You don't know this about Pastor Don, but she's a basketball player. So hold on right there. So if she's at the three-point line and I've got the basket, let's just, just get a practice shot in. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm serious. Get a practice shot in. Come on, baby. So... If, hold on. So, so if, she, if she's determined to make the ball, here's what's going to happen. Any of her opponents, if she has to keep it up, because if she keeps, just follow with me, if she keeps her faith down, listen to this, if she's down in her spirit, follow me if you will. If she keeps it down and she keeps her and she's giving herself away by her vulnerability, she's off her game. Did you know that hell can pick up on you based on your outward expressions and your actions? But hell can't read your heart like God does. But if, when your faith is down and she's vulnerable to my pressure, then I can make the move already because I figure she's going to shoot. But you see, if I'm doing this, and she's determined to make a pass, then I'm going to get ready for her to make a pass. So she's looking, look that way. So I'm thinking, this is what I'm going to do. She has her faith up. She's ready to go. And when I do this, she's going to take the shot. Now, this is what the scripture says, that we have to be determined with purpose in your heart and do it cheerfully with your faith up. The other thing is, is when you make the shot, make the shot again. 
when you make the shot, she has to do it enough times, enough times where it's become natural to her. So she keeps doing this. What she's creating in her mind is muscle memory. They said Larry Bird was the guy who wore out the nets on the playground. And there's no easy way to learn something except by repetition. Am I right? Take it, baby. You can sit down. Yeah. By repetition. Muscle memory. Well, the key is you don't learn how to pray unless you actually do some praying. And you don't know how to respond to trouble unless you learn how to praise in trouble and be calm and trust in Him. That doesn't happen overnight. It takes a process of being consistent. So the first thing I want to mention to you is that your faith, your faith is so relevant by, by your actions. You can only build your faith by the risk that you take, and God won't, won't ever let you down. He'll never fail you. Don't misunderstand me, but I will fail you. Your neighbor will fail you. You want to know why? Would you like to know why men and women will fail you? It's because they're not God, and they're not omnipotent, omnipresent, nor omniscient. We're limited. I can only be right here at one time. But God is in every one of your hearts right now being a personal Savior to you. How many of you believe that? He is right now in your life and able to coach you, help you, and give you strength and put all of his time, his eternal time, into your life. So when you see your faith grow because God is working with you, he is in the game with you. He cares about every little small detail in your life. He cares about where you're at, where you're going, and where you've been. He cares about the past. He cares about where you come from. I know that God will be there for every person who puts their trust in him. The Bible says don't do it grudgingly when you do take a risk and you do give. If you do it grudgingly. Now, grudgingly means that you are doing it with, you're doing it with reluctance. You're doubting. We do a lot of things with reluctance. We, uh, grudgingly, we do homework with reluctance, right, to all of our college students and young people. We say, I'm sorry, with reluctance, and gr we do it grudgingly because it's a sacrifice and it's pride. It, it has to be broken before you can honestly say, I'm sorry. And one of the other areas that we are reluctant and do grudgingly in our life is giving because it's all sacrificial. Giving is part of the denial of ourselves, the breakdown in our heart, taking what's dear to us. And sometimes pride can become very dear to us and we protect it. And we won't do things because of that and sacrifice, giving of our time, whatever it may be. We have a tendency as human beings to do these things grudgingly. 
So the apostle Paul writes and tells the church, when you do give, don't, and so don't do it grudgingly because it's not going to do you any good. He even wrote this in, in the, in the, to the Corinthian church again, and he told them, he said, you know, if you give your body to be burned, and if you, you serve and you do it without charity, he said, you're doing it with, you're just becoming a, a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. It's not going to do you any good, but if you do it with love, then you benefit from all things because love never ends and love never fails. So I do what I do, and I trust God. So whenever I'm in the position, I'm in the position, and I'm ready to take that leap of faith. And if you're a giver, and you're outside the perimeter of your comfort zone, and it's time for you to take a risk, and God speaks to you and, said, and says, take a risk, take a, take a chance. You will do it with confidence after you have, after you have literally got it in your mind and you remember the goodness of God in your life because I found that when we remember God's goodness point number one remembering the goodness of God when you give it's like muscle memory to the athlete it's like muscle memory to the athlete Athletes, no matter what you do, uh, no matter where you're at, when you're driving, honestly, drivers have to have, when your, first, your child went to their, uh, their driver's ed course and they took it, they were really getting the knowledge, but it took hours. You remember that? You have to go through hours of driving before they can ever take the test. Because a lot of the, lot of the time, it's that muscle memory, getting used to that, handling the car, getting the gas making sure they don't put both feet on the pedal. you got to put the one. I understood that later, but at first I was like, why can't I do both? Put them both on there. Because when there's pressure, you can do both at the same time too. And it's just confusing. You have to use one, so you have to use the handle and moving. And if you remember the old, how many of you have, I don't know how many have a stick shift in here, a standard. You have a, I knew Rick would have a standard. You remember that? How many of you know how to drive a standard? Raise your hand. Yeah. Young people, you don't know anything about that. You had to learn not only to work with this foot, the gas and the brakes, but you also had to learn how to do the clutch. And when you moved it, you had to learn how to shift it. Then you learned how to drive. See, that just seems that's like playing the piano almost, right? But you had to develop muscle memory, and then becomes, it becomes habit to you. Well, an athlete does the same thing. And they get their brain, their muscle, and every nerve to connect until they get it in their spirit. And when it's in their spirit and they're in that moment, they know and they act on it without even thinking because it's part of their being. Well, in Christianity, when you're able to give, one of the things that helps your memory serve you correct and help you is remembering the goodness of God. So leave that point up there if you don't mind. Point number one. You have to remember the goodness of God when you give. Here's a scripture. This is what God told the Israelites. When he told the Israelites, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to take you into a new land. But When I take you in there, listen to what he says. Deuteronomy 8 and 11 through 20. Hold on tight. I'm going to read it quickly. 
Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, your silver and your gold are multiplied, and that you have had, you've had it, <clears throat> and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents, scorpions, and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of a flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you, that he may test you to do a good to, to do you good in the end. Then you say, and here's what we can say, my power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. Wow. But he's given them a fact and he's given them a secret. And all he's telling him is, don't get so proud and don't forget my goodness when I begin to bless you and give you opportunities. Because when the opportunity comes to give me back what I've given you, it will be a blessing to you. And you'll never miss it. You'll never miss it. You see, when I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, like the old refrain says, I want to shout. I want to dance. I want to praise him all night long. When I think of his goodness, I'm going to tell you what helped me in my giving. I'm going to tell you what has helped me in my giving throughout the years. It's remembering where God brought me from. Now, along the way, I've had to do some studying. I've had to take in knowledge. But this is what I've learned as well, because all of you in your careers... You have to gain knowledge. That's why you go to school, correct? But I've learned you can have knowledge without common sense also. <laughs> I've learned throughout the years that it takes the wisdom of God to help apply that knowledge properly. And wisdom only comes from God. Did you know that even in the beginning when God said he made humanity in his likeness, it was because of wisdom? He put wisdom inside of humanity that gave them the distinction between good and evil. Animals didn't have that. They're different. Angels have different sense of uh, a different place in their relationship with God as servants. Their souls can't be, they, they cannot be redeemed. But you have redemption. And you can be redeemed. And because of that powerful act of redemption, you have a memory and you have an experience that you can recall to your mind that brings thanksgiving, 
that establishes love, hope, and faith that gets established inside of you. Where most people give, miss it, it's when they give by faith, take a big step, and they do it grudgingly, and they miss it. They lack confidence. They do it grudgingly, and grudging, a, a grudging spirit will cause you to go off to the right or off to the left. But a spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude and remembering where God brought you from brings cheerfulness in your heart. It touches your, your attitude. It helps your aptitude. And it helps you make it every, every single time you aim for one thing. You aim for the giver, the source, the blesser, not the blessings. If you're driven by blessings, you're driven by the wrong thing. If you're driven because of the blesser, you're driving down the right path. By the blesser. I remember what helped me in my giving and helping me understand this whole concept because I remember where God brought me from. Folks, I don't deserve to be up here, to be quite honest with you. I really don't deserve to be here. The son of a nightclub owner, family was involved with the mafia. We knew everything about drugs and alcohol when we were growing up. I'm the first pastor of my family. Uh, I went through years of training before God ever allowed me to be up here. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I did Ancestry.com finally, and I finally found out where I came from. I was so embarrassed because most Latinos, when they're asked about your family tree, were like, you mean the lemon tree in back of my house? <laughs> That's all we have reference to, man. Because most Latinos are like, oh, the teacher asked me, I don't want to answer because everyone says I've been from England. Um, my mom was a monarch and... Mine, I think mine were at the Alamo selling chorros. <laughs> I don't know where I come from. I, 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 my family always joked with us. I thought they were joking, and they said that we, we, were, we had Jewish blood inside of us. We, were, we come from Jews. And, and my uncle went done on the research. He was, he was always messing with us. You're Jewish, son. Well, we got the Ancestry.com back. Uh, ancestry test back the DNA testing, and I, I am I am uh, Native American, I am Spaniard, and the top two in the top two in the resources it says I am uh, European Jewish, and I and I thought to myself, okay, some my uncle my uncle kind of got with Ancestry.com is messing with me. Come to find out, I looked back at my heritage, and I found out that when in the 1500s, 1400s, there was, a, there was an inquisition from, in, in Europe, and a, a lot of the Jews were chased out, and they came to Mexico. A lot of the Jewish nation, they, they, a lot of people, they, they came to Mexico, and there was a Spanish inquisition there as well in Mexico. And the Jews that came to Mexico, they were forced to worship under the Catholic religion. Because of the Inquisition, they were pressured to do that, and a lot of them did. And they converted. And a lot of those moved up to South Texas. Not, not a lot of them, but some of them moved up, and they worked in the vineyards. And my family always told me that this is the region. And everything that my uncle told us, we look back in Ancestry.com, and it's exactly the way he said it. I don't know where he got the information from, to be quite honest with you. He was an intellect, but he was crazy. <laughs> and he, he was so funny, I mean, just hilarious. But, but, he, but I looked it up and come to find out I do have Jewish blood inside of me. I'm a Mexican Jew. <laughs> Psh, 
I thought they called, they called my dad a Mexican Jew because he was so tight and he was good with business. But that business entrepreneurial spirit runs in my family. So I was so happy about that, right? And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I got Jewish blood inside of me. Um, you know, leave me alone. I'm a Jew. Proud, excited. Then, I, then the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, why are you so excited about having Jewish blood more than you are having my blood? I felt God tell me that. I felt that come to me. When you have the blood of Christ, it enables you. You know, horses, they're bred by other breads that have good bloodlines, come from a good bloodline. And I wondered why in the scripture that God had in Matthew and Joseph beget Boaz and Boaz beget Jesse and Jesse beget David and David beget Solomon and all the begets. I wondered why. If you look from, the, from beginning to end, from Adam all the way down to Jesus, you'll find out that in the lineage of Jesus Christ, there was so much imperfection. Jesus Christ came from a, dis ready? Are you ready for this? Go do the research yourself. He came from a dysfunctional family heritage. Every one of them, there were prostitutes in that lineage. There were people that were outside the Jewish faith in that lineage. There were like, like Ruth, and there were so many people that weren't perfect, but through Jesus Christ... Through Jesus Christ, here's what's amazing now. Through that lineage now, you and I are the 43rd because there's 42 lineages. There are 43, and that's you and I. We carried on by the blood of Jesus. We are the generation that has carried on since then. And because of your blood, you have blessings in your life. And because of the blood, it's because of the mercy and the grace. So when we stand in confidence and we stand with liberty, and we're standing full of grace, you have to remember where you came from and where God brought you from. It doesn't matter what your past is. No Christian should have a past, only a future, but you should have, here it is, you should have some sense of dignity and be happy for your bloodline that you have been forgiven and washed by the royal blood of Jesus Christ. It gives you confidence. It gives you reassurance, and the forgiveness of God in your life should never be compared to what you give. You can't outgive God. Do you realize that you are going to be living for eternity with God in the heavens for eternity? You're going to live with him because he saved you. He forgave you. He blessed you. You tell me, you can't outgive that. So when I give, I remember where I came from. I do it with a cheerful heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I know where my ball is going. I know where my blessing is. I'm aimed at it. I'm focused at it. In my heart, I'm doing it purposely because I owe it to him. I owe him everything. It belongs to him. I'm not my own. He, he bought me. He bought me with a price. He bought me with a price. Number two. When you give, you have to give from the heart, not with the mind. Your mind will look at every one of your debts and say, it can't be done. We can't afford to do it. But your heart full of worship will say, I can't afford not, I can't afford not to do it. Your heart will say, you've got to do it because he loves you. It's part of your worship. And, 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 and you know your money is tied to your heart, but it should never run your heart. 
Your heart should, dig, should dictate to your finances because your finances are servants. You're not a servant to finance. My money will never dictate to me my worship for God. Never. Our money should never dictate how much I give. If God tells me to take a risk and take a chance, I'm going to risk it and do it and be obedient. And if I'm comfortable with it, I'm going to keep doing it until I get remembrance in my mind, until I get the memory in my spirit, until I'm accustomed to doing it. So when I do it, it becomes easier, and I hit the blessing every time. And I hit it every time. It's taking a risk. Your heart will take risk that your mind's afraid to take. Oh, yes, it will. Some of you men, when you first, how many of you dated your, your, your wife before you got married and she lived out of town, or she was out of town or made, lived across the town, Victoria, right? Not that far, but Houston. You drove long distances. Well, I, I can relate to that if, if that's you because my wife lived out of town when she went to college and I was still here, but we traveled to see each other. Men will travel a long way to see who's dear to their heart. Yeah. You'll go a long ways. The heart will cause you to do crazy things when you're in love, right? Crazy things. It'll cause you to go in debt. That's crazy. But it happens, and we do it all the time. But when you're in love with him because you remember where he brought you from, Whoever's forgiven much loves much. And when you do it out of a heart of worship, this is the deciding factor. No one but God can see your heart and how you give. No one. No one can. The devil and every fleshly desire and everybody's opinion will try to dictate to you what your sacrifice should be and what your obedience should be like. But God, when he has forgiven the heart, but God, when he has filled your heart, but God, when he has saved the heart and you're standing there with humility and faith and reassurance, you have experience you don't understand the relationship with God unless you've taken the initiative to be there with him and to take the initiative during seasons that have been tried in your life. And, and faith is only built when you use your faith. And hope is only built when you have trusted in hope. And, 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 your, and your love is only strong when it's been tested. And when you can give... You will break every weakness and everything. It is the one thing that we do grudgingly. The three things that are most important to us we have problems with doing in Christianity are the three things that are important to God. It's prayer, fasting, and giving. And those are the three things that Jesus said to do. But those all come from the heart. Out of a love for him, this is why Paul said, do it purposely. Purposely. From the heart. 
I can't tell you how exactly over the years that I've developed, if I have any kind of love, if I have any kind of benevolence, any kind of kindness, it's, it's been a miracle from God. I can cry at the drop of a hat now when I think about the Lord. When I think about His goodness, I can cry very easily because it's been, I've been conditioned that way. I've been through too many things, so have you. You've been through too many things in your life and seen the goodness of God in your life that caused you to have gratitude, that has caused you to have faith. It's given you that position in life to take a risk and to do it without even hesitating. I can't outgive God. I can't outgive God. And finances and money is not my God. My God is Jesus Christ, the Savior of my life. My God is the one who was there with me when my son, my oldest son, Caleb, when the doctors told him that he had a heart condition, and they told us, honey, that he had a hole, a possibly a hole in his heart, and he was going through those problems, and we, they told us that he would have to have open-heart surgery. And he was, he was young, and we were scared. And he was scared. And we came together. And his heart was just beating irregularly. And he was having pains. And, he, and we didn't know what to do. And all we can do is trust God. But I called my pastors. And I think every pastor should have a pastor. And I called my pastors. And I told them what was going on. And they told me, we're going to pray. We're going to believe God. And God is going to touch him. And we're going to believe God for healing. And we went to prayer. And then we went back to the doctor, and the doctor told us, I don't know what happened, but everything's okay. It's gone. It's gone. I have gratitude in my heart. I have faith in my stance and my position. I can take a risk on God, and I can trust Him because I have reassurance. I have a memory. I know because God was with me when we were on a 21-day fast. For the church, every year we do a 21-day fast at the beginning of the year. And one year when we were doing it as a family, I was in my office at home. My wife was in the kitchen. It was right next to the kitchen in my office. And just for a moment, when my youngest boy, Joshua, was just a little tyke, he was a little chango. He was a little monkey. He was a monkey. That boy would jump on everything. And just for a split second, my wife, she walked out of the kitchen into the room while she was making smoothies. She had the blender there. She put the greens in. She had some little, little, little mix of, 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 of almond milk and whatever she had with there, and we were making healthy smoothies. And one second, that little boy jumped up on that counter. He put his finger in that blender and started it. And all we heard was a, squeal, a, 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 a cry, just a loud squeal, screaming, just a second. And then all of a sudden, we ran in there, and blood was everywhere that came out of the blender. It was on the ground. The blender was running, and he was, he was screaming. We thought, oh, my God. We grabbed him. We looked at his finger. It went down to the bone, Dr. Javier. It went down to the bone. We saw it. We opened it. We're like, oh, my God. We took him straight to the emergency room. We wrapped it up in towels. It was bleeding. We wrapped it up. We didn't know what to do. Then when we got there, the, 
one of the things that came to our mind was, we just can't afford to do this. Let's just believe God. The nurse came, took a look at it, and said, yeah, he's going to have to go, and we're going to have to put some stitches in there. We're going to have to get him back together. She walked out of the room, and we went back, and we prayed, and we said, God, in the name of Jesus, you're a healer. Touch this finger right now. We prayed earnestly, and then we were gone, brought into the emergency room. The doctor came in. The wrap, finger was still wrapped, and he pulled out the wrapping, and he looked at it, he, and he looked at it. We didn't look at anything else except looking at him. We were in back of them in the side, and, and then he, he looked, and he said, he goes, my God. He said, this is nothing but a scratch. I looked at it and said, it was. It was just a scratch. Barely, barely just anything coming out. That's a true story. Look at that. That's a true story. It's easy for us to give. It's easy for us to sacrifice. It's easy for us to take a shot and take a risk. You want to know what, what the difference is between people who succeed and do big things and, 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 and go beyond the mediocrity of life? It's the people who take a risk. It's people who take chances. It's people who aren't afraid. It's people who don't they, they think it through, but then they feel it through, and they understand what God says. God will always direct you. God will always be there for you. But to build that kind of faith, you have to have some recall and some remembrance, and remember what the Lord's brought you through. Remember the goodness of God. Remember that it wasn't, if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't even be here in church today. You should be. Some of you should be six feet under. Some of you should be behind bars. Some of you should be on probation. Some of you should be in jail. But listen, you're in the house of God. Some of you should be in a mental institution because you almost lost your mind. But limit doing your problems. But look, you are here in the house of God. Some of you shouldn't even be here today. You shouldn't even have transportation to drive to church today. But you are here in the house of God. Some of you weren't able to give an offering today. You shouldn't have been able to even give a dollar. But look, you walked up here and you gave God some of your best because he's been good to you. Where do you think you got the mind to think things through from? It came from God. There's giftings every person has. There is attributes every person has. Uh, my little boy, Josh, he, 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 uh, we signed him up for basketball. And when we signed him up for basketball, we, we found out he was, he was good at stealing the ball. Oh, he was so good at, he's, he's good at stealing the ball. He'll get in there, he'll come to those guys, they'll bounce it up high, he'll just go, whoosh, and go right through and get it from them. Then we'd see him leave the court, he'd leave that side of the court, he'd get on the other side. I talked about this last week, right? It's all right. But he gets on the other side, and we're all watching from the, from the benches. We're yelling, go, Josh, go, Josh, get it, Josh. And he gets up to the goal, he throws it up, and he missed it. <laughs> Steals it again, runs in front of everybody, gets up there first, throws it up, misses again. And we thought, man, that boy is good at stealing the ball, but we need to practice on his throws. <laughs> so I had to have that talk with him. I said, dude, you've got to practice. So I took him out to the park so he can build his muscle memory, but had him focus on what his strengths are. But until he gets confident, like some of us, 
Some of us have the ability, you all have the ability to pray a prayer of faith and believe God for bigger things. You just haven't exercised it enough. Exercise it. I would rather prophesy and miss it than not do anything at all. Did you hear me? I'm talking about taking a risk and taking the shot. I'm talking about living a blessed life and going beyond the norm in every area of your life. You know, when you feel God, I'm talking to somebody, I'm telling someone here, the, the gifts of the Spirit operate in this church, but we have learned how to do it corporately as well. If you ever feel God speak to your heart to give someone a word, and I'm not talking about thus saith the Lord unless you give $1,000 today, you're going to go and you're going to go to hell. <laughs> things aren't going to work for you. You're going to lose your job. Those, those are judgment things, and that's no love in that. When God gives and operates the gifts, he does it to edify, and he gives warnings. If he gives a warning, then he gives it with wisdom and love and strength and faith. But God always does things to build up. If you ever feel God move on you to encourage somebody, to love somebody, and you block it up, you are never going to be able to operate that gift. Step, I encourage every one of you, step out by faith. Step out by faith. That's why we take our time. That's why we pray for one another. God wants to use you, but don't be afraid to take a risk. God wants to build up your business. God, how many business owners do we have? God wants to build your business and take it to another level. But you have to learn, if you're, at, if you're living like a pauper and you're not giving like a king, you're never going to get to that kind of status. David was a shepherd boy that God promoted to a king, kingly status because he trusted God, he believed in God, he praised God during, during the trials. He was able to keep his countenance and keep his integrity that when he came to that moment, God could trust him, but he had faith in God the entire time, even when his leadership didn't like him, even when he had a javelin thrown at him, even when he fought a lion and a bear. In any stage of his life, he was always, always, he always had a heart for God, even when his brothers were picked above him. And he came on the scene, and the prophet Samuel looked at him, and God said, you thought it was everyone else because they looked like it. But that young man right there, the ruddy little boy, he has a heart for me. For God, men look on the outward, but God sees the heart. God sees the heart. It's not about the size of the man in the game. It's about the size of the game in the man. It's not about the size of the man in the battle. It's about the size of the battle inside the man. It is not about the size of the man in God. It's about the size of the God in the man. And whenever you realize that, you know there's nothing that can come against you that can hold you back from your destiny, your blessings, your purpose. Greater is he inside of you. Turn to somebody and tell them, God is greater inside of you. God is greater in you than your problems and where you're at. Um, coming together. I want to read you something. It's all based on the measure of faith. Are you getting this this Sunday morning? How many of you are getting this this Sunday morning? Okay, I'm closing with this. I'm closing with this, this scripture, and I'm going to give you a, 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 a phrase, but I want to give you this. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, give, and it will be given to you. 
Good measure. You know what that means? Good measure. That means that it's poured into you by good measure. Then it says, good measure, press down. After you poured it in, good measure, you press it down like some of you used to do when you can buy a Chinese buffet and they didn't weigh it. <laughs> I know all about that. I think I even saw some of you come out. A circus dog couldn't jump over that food. Remember that? Oh, dear. Okay. They weigh it now. They weigh the food now. But before you can go in and feed a family of five with one buffet to go, press down. Then when you press it down, you shake it together. Then you put more to let it run over. That's what God wants to do for you. He wants to press it down. He wants to shake it all together, let it go down, and he wants to be able to pour it over. So in the same measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will over will be put into your bosom. That means that you're going to become a, a, a recipient of the blessings of God. And for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Let me read it in the NLT. In the NLT it says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full press down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. And that's what it's all about. What is it? What is it you need built up in your life? Give it away. Give it to God, in other words. Surrender it to Him. This lesson not just applies to money. It applies to every condition of the heart. Every condition. Any, any place you need to grow. So where you want to go. Or so where you need to grow. That's the concept. Remember that. So where you need to grow. A, a, a farmer doesn't go into a barn and take four bags and plant some expecting only four bags back. Did you know that? In the scripture, it says that there are seeds that were planted, and Jesus spoke of the parable. He said this. He said there were seeds that were planted, and some of those seeds, they grew 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold, right? Do you remember that? Did you know that in that parable, it wasn't talking about in those seeds, that that parable wasn't referring to different hearts it was referring to the heart of humanity. God, Jesus explained it and he said, he said that that seed is sown into someone's life, but the enemy comes in and some is sown on rocky ground, stony ground. And then some, the birds come in the air and they take it away. That's when, that's when you have the word of God planted in you. And right when you leave church, something happens and you feel, you know, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm being attacked. Well, I'll, it shouldn't surprise you. Do you think the devil's going to release one, somebody that's been under his influence that easy? Do you think that hell and any demonic spirit wants you to be happy living for Christ? Whether you believe, if you believe in God, you should realize that there are devils. There are things that are out there. But we don't fear those things, and we don't care whether or not they like us or hate us. It doesn't matter because we win. You're going to have haters. And I found out people who don't have haters are probably people that aren't doing anything at all. So, so it's up to you. Because that ground was referring to one person with one condition. And in that one person's life, 
he, that one person had seeds, they brought forth 30, 60, and 100. Determine where his faith or her faith was. Now, the question is, where is your faith and where does it lie? Some of you have strong faith when it comes to prayer. And you get a hundredfold back. Some of you have a, a hundredfold faith when it comes to serving. But thirtyfold faith when it comes to giving. I think God wants us to have a hundredfold across the board. He wants us, in fact, I know it's true because he said you live a life more abundantly. He's given us life in that more abundantly. I want to leave you with this saying here this Sunday morning, and I want to give you this. Faith is giving up everything to God and receiving everything from God. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. I think it's time to surrender and it's time to really give up and say, God, I want, I want that faith that allows me to take risk. I want something to be broken in my finance. I want something to be broken in my spirit. You will never have a financial breakthrough until you have a heart breakthrough. You will never have a financial breakthrough until you learn to have a heart breakthrough. Giving is an issue of the heart. And based on your measure and based on your faith and based on your thanksgiving, God loves a cheerful giver. I promise you, I promise you, by God's word, if you'll take big risk by big faith, you'll get big results. But you have to be consistent with it. And you have to break it and break yourself in. And every time you aim and you go for that, there are three points that you get in your life. You'll get back faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. That's Christianity, three-pointers. Because every one of those areas in your life, you will grow. And those are eternal gifts and eternal attributes that you can't put a price on. You can't put a price on. By the love of God, you trust God. The Scripture says, they that trust in the Lord, they that trust in the Lord, they'll walk and have their heart filled with peace. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but acknowledge Him in all your ways, and He will direct your path. Wisdom comes. Wisdom comes through that. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, the Scripture says. But when your hope is in God and you realize He will never fail you, He will never leave you, He will never forsake you, you never are sick in your spirit because you have hope when you have nothing else to hold on to, Jesus is still there. He is still there. David said, I almost fell and slipped and, fall and fell when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. But then he said, then I went to the house of the Lord and saw the end thereof. Then I understood. And this is what David meant. When you see the world prospering and the rich flourishing, the difference between their prosperity and your prosperity is this, is that you have a God to go to. You have reassurance. If you're tested, 
and you face adversity like last week, God will double your favor back and restore everything to you that was stolen. You have reassurance in Christ. God is never going to make you look bad. You'll always come out ahead because you're representing Him and you are the children of God, the children of light. And He wants you to live a blessed life. He wants you to be happy in your life. He wants you to be filled with joy. He wants you to be filled with gladness. He wants you to live a life of hope, a life of faith, and be loving in your life because love only comes from Him. But I'm telling you, until you get the mentality that it all belongs to Him, and I'm giving up everything to God, and I'm going to receive everything back from Him. That's the bottom line. The life that I live. Paul said, the life that I live, I live for Christ. I live for Christ. Everything, all of his education, all of his political influences. He said, all that I've ever had, I count as nothing that I may gain Christ. It's all in him. So, so in essence, we don't believe in the prosperity gospel. We believe in the provisionary gospel. That God is my provider. That God is my Jehovah Jireh, my provider of all things. We live in provision. It all comes from Him. I'm just worshiping Him back to let Him know He has all of my heart. There are no reservations. You have all of my heart, Jesus. There are no reservations. I give my time. I give my talent. I give my treasure. You have everything, God, because you're the Lord of my life. And if you're not Lord of all, you're not Lord at all to me, God. But you are Lord of all. I wonder if we can worship him like that right here, right now. I wonder if we can do that. Just stand to your feet. I wonder if we can do that. I wonder if we can really do that and just simply say, Lord, I surrender to you right now. I surrender to you right now. I surrender to you right now, God. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.